Hi, everybody, and welcome to... I'll let you say it. It's two gays, one episode. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's a Michael title, that's for sure. It's a, and I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Goat Jesus. Oh. oh, wait, are we going by monikers or should I... I don't know my moniker is alex Whatever, so fab you... so either way i'm good yeah 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 i'll, I'll go by goat jesus no so one will good. ever know your real name i'm the ava guy or yeah. the fma guy or the or the fma guy yeah and those are you that's really it. known for anything else those two. <laughs> just made not made really like 10 videos on haven kelly in an fma i've seen s- I've seen so much anime and nothing that I'm passionate about aside from those. So that's that's fair yeah. enough. Well, I I like them. It's just very passively. Yes. You, know? uh, you wouldn't make a forty-five minute video about them with a uh, eye-catching title like "Sex, Drugs, Religion is Dead." <laughs> Nietzsche loved Full Metal Alchemist. God is dead in Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Nietzsche is the main character of Full Metal Alchemist with like a weird picture of like Nietzsche's face over Edward Elric. <laughs> how how FMA Brotherhood is pro fascist. Um, okay, anyway. anyway uh, we so- don't actually think that just to be clear. We don't think FMA Brotherhood is pro fascist. I haven't actually thought about it. Maybe, I mean, it, no. maybe it is. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> a little. They don't really dismantle that military state. Just (laughs) (laughs) anyway, the premise of our podcast, just to get back on topic, is we're two gays and we watch one episode of an anime and then we talk about it. And we like to talk, so these could probably get kind of long. But if you like that sort of thing, you might like what we have to say. Yeah. So we're going to be first talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion episode one, which is the the pilot Angel Attack. And the pilot is technically in two parts, episode one and two. They aired together originally. Um, and uh, I think that was probably, that's probably for the best. Usually I really enjoy like two-parter, like hour-long special sort of pilot kind of deal. Uh, here in the West, we go ridiculous with our overtly long pilots. Uh, if you've ever seen the Twin Peaks pilot, that thing is like two and a half hours long or something. Yeah, but... Battlestar Galactica's pilot <laughs> uh, is a movie. It's a five-part movie. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> Usually pilots begin kind of long uh, as like a, uh, hey, we have double the time to invest people in the show kind of deal. So Ava decides to take that approach, which is sort of rare in anime. Uh Speaking of FMA, like FMA, the original one was a two-parter when it opened mm-hmm. as yep. well. So, and the plot didn't even yeah. start till episode three, which was odd. But anyway, not an <laughs> FMA episode review well, this week. We're doing even Kelly, and we're not going to get off topic. Yeah the 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 important part of a pilot is to sort of introduce your core cast, and obviously in uh, Evangelion's case, uh, the key significant cast member that is not introduced is Oscar. Uh, but I think that it's good because this pilot kind of introduces Ray, uh, Misato, uh, Ritsuko, uh, Gendo, uh, Shinji, and it just has like a lot of mainstays that are going to be important throughout mm-hmm. the show. And Asuka's dynamic it really shakes up yeah, the core cast as it is. Uh, the the first the first part of the show because I kind of see um, uh, the series kind of structured in a very similar way to the uh, like Aristotelian like four act structure. Um, Care to so elaborate? It, it's, <laughs> yes, 
Yes. So Aristotle Michael finished college. Uh, I in, didn't. In his <laughs> <laughs> Aristotle in his uh, in his uh, manuscript called Poetics actually talked about how stories are structured with four acts, uh, which is essentially present a problem, escalate the problem, create a crisis for the problem, and resolve the problem. And it's sort of the basic foundations for all story structure. Uh, including the three-act structure or the two-act structure of plays. When Aristotle was talking about four-acts, he was referring to it in the framework of two-act plays. Um, And in that case, it would be like uh, present a problem, escalate the problem, or one act. And then, uh, so it's like sort of two acts in one. And then crisis and resolution would be the second act of a play. Uh, In a movie, you would take the... um, uh, you know, acts two and three and combine those. And then so like act one would just be present a problem and then act three would just be resolve the problem. And in the case of Evangelion, it's it's pretty perfectly divided into approximately seven episode chunks that uh, we have like specific beats of the series. So like episodes yeah. one through seven are very kind of like dark, dour, serious. Shinji is alone and it's presenting the problem of like uh shinji has no support unit essentially Mm -hmm. and then in the uh second sequence of the show which is when asuka gets introduced eight through around 14 15 i'd say 15 is the ending of that uh is like uh when we kind of he gets a support unit things are stabilizing Mm -hmm. um but his relationships are kind of like being uh like sort of uh Put to put to task it's really by the introduction 19, of Oscar. It's 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 really interesting. Um, um, but what I'm saying is that like, and then we kind of have like the downfall where mm-hmm. Shinji like kind of loses his support unit, and then the resolution is the end of the series. So like, uh, EOE pretty much or uh, EOTV. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a shorter kind of resolution, but I think it follows the same type of pattern or beats that you'd expect. Uh, from like a uh, from a kind of like filmic kind of structure, but it sort of plays itself out yeah. in a it's longer like, kind of way. It's like a religious text almost. Uh, yeah, well, actually, it's sort of funny that you mentioned that because, um, uh, you know, even though Aristotle had absolutely no biblical influence, it's there are strange parallels between the Bible's overall kind of foundational structure, the death and resurrection mm-hmm. Um, and, and to the four acts that, you know, we talk about, like sort of the, uh, the Jesus myth, the world was created, uh, everyone was confused, things are in chaos. And then like Jesus comes and then there's like, oh, there's the crisis of like the death of Jesus. And then the resurrection is kind of the resolution. It's that like downfall and then rise again, which is very much in Ava as well. So that's really cool. I never even thought about that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well yeah i'd say uh evangelion much like you know harry potter and a lot of these okay so kurt vonnegut talked about like story shapes and in regards to uh like uh, playing into the biblical myth and you know like harry potter and cinderella and all these kinds of like classic stories that really resonate with us are very parallel to the death and resurrection mm-hmm like structurally and Ava is super like that FMA is super like that like a lot of these like young boy heroes who lose everything and then ha- and then like sacrifice 
the their own like you know happiness quote unquote for the greater good is is like like just a key essential uh part of the foundation of like narrative in general and so it's it's it shows up all the time yeah. in like in all kinds of stories east and west interesting yeah. you can kind of make the case that so. going is about shinji needing to recognize that he doesn't have to give himself up for other people but that he doesn't have to give himself up and he can be happy too <laughs> almost yeah i mean i'd say that it's ultimately like in the in the structural kind of foundation of it uh it sort of becomes about uh shinji uh being like what did i want more than anything which was a world without pain and and so it's like he's giving that up for himself but also everyone else to be able to experience true happiness yeah. as well so it's kind of <laughs> there's a there's a sacrifice sacrificial actualization and in respect to that oh my god i'm so academic and we're already talking i was about gonna say, i was gonna let's, say there you go guys the that's the podcast yeah. we just covered the whole series and it's all done <laughs> and we don't even talk about anything else so let's let's go we have the micro the macro out of the way let's go into the micro and just yeah. talk about what specifically well, set what up what i wanted to do was recap uh, a little bit first just to go through the episode kind of sequence sure sequence. yeah so we have the opening you know the japanese lyrics to the opening are you going to sing it for us oh okay. no. no eventually way. maybe the, eventually yeah. maybe we will work on this um i mean i have i have the whole thing memorized <laughs> i mean it's it you know it uh but uh yeah 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 i wouldn't do that that's like a weeby thing to okay do, so maybe that'd maybe very, eventually though that'd be very maybe eventually though keep keep watching <laughs> that's my little selling point like every week maybe michael will sing the evangelion theme in japanese <laughs> just maybe keep listening yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> we've got to keep this going michael work with me here <laughs> all right so pretty much the opening shot of Evangelion, they don't waste any time. There's no opening narration. There's no well. There's kind of an opening narration, but it's really just incidental dialogue by a unseen announcer warning people about what to do. Which I think is a much more common thing in Japan. You don't really have someone on like a megaphone just shouting at people like, "Hey, you got you got to get to the shelters." Like no one does that. You just go and you don't know what's going on. But uh, that's that's almost kind of our opening narration. That there's there's big trouble. The city's abandoned and it's under attack by a big monster. Uh, the very first thing we see is the year is like 2015. Oh, so true, true, true. we establish kind of the fact that it's in the future and it's got a title card that says that with its iconic, you know, black and white text. Like Ava loves to have the, this uh, kind of like unorthodox sort of boom, black and white, like right here on the screen is text and it just says something. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very stylistic decision. It, that's not something that you typically see in a lot of anime, like at all. Uh, it, like it's a um, it's a unique choice to have such like bold text and like cut away, cutting away. But but Ava's style is very cutty in general, like where it's just rapid fire, very 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 fast paced. Like here you go, um, a lot of information in a short amount of time. So and then the shot we get after that is rushing water. Uh, and it sort of feels like we're either from the angel's point of view, like seeing kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're swimming above the surface or something at rapid pace, or it's a helicopter that's like flying over the water trying to track the angel. But then we've got like shots of the angel after that. And uh, that's his kind of opening hook is like, what is this yeah. thing? Like, what the, f 
what the heck is this? And uh, um, it a uh, it's a, it's a cool hook. It gives you a hook. It's just like this monster and the world is flooded and you can see the buildings just like underwater. It's like what happened in 2015? You know, this was made in a this was made 20 years before 2015. Yeah. This is <laughs> ancient obviously... history now. These are the historical texts. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's speculative, right? It's like yeah. well, whoa, I, did is global warming real, you guys? <laughs> oh my God, no, none of this happened because of global warming. No, <laughs> in context, none of it happened because of global warming. No, it happened because of an alien invasion by <laughs> no. giant mammoth godlike creatures. But uh, one thing though is well, Sakiel. <laughs> that's the name of the angel. I know all the angel names. Do not mess with me. I know all. I think I could name all of them off the top of my head right now is the angel of water. So almost that water angel connection there just to establish his character. Because otherwise he's not really the angel of water in any other way. But that's that's what he's named after. Yeah, he is actually associated with water. Um, but he's also associated with like children and like cherubim, which I think is like really interesting because uh, obviously there are some special children in this show that we will be following as the heroes so it's kind of it's it's sort of almost like he's a guardian uh in a bizarre twisted it's taking that kind of like guardian of kids kind of thing and subverting it warping it turning it into something evil which i think is like really cool but it's still ushering in our characters our our kid leads which i think is clever maybe it's a coincidence maybe this is all a coincidence i don't know the water association makes me doubt a little bit that it is, but, but you know. <laughs> no, I don't think so, because if you look at all the angels and what they're named after, they, they, they all make sense. Yeah, they, they clearly they did some research. Language. Okay, there's some mythology around, like, Gynex didn't know what they were doing with the religious stuff and whatnot, but that's, that's a misquote. Mm -hmm. Like, Anno, the creator of Evangelion, was quoted saying that the title... Neon Genesis Evangelion wasn't really meaningful. Like it was just, oh, Evangelion sounds cool. And and then people ran with that and said yeah. every religious aspect of the show is like phony. But they clearly did their research. There's like obvious parallels in some ways. And I think that this Absolutely. one is is a pretty accurate one. Uh or well they they did their research. They were like, which angel are we gonna have first? Let's look for one associated with water and then maybe like a little bit more into it, and then you have that whole yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. And uh then the next one of the next shots, I don't know if it's the very next shot, but is the one of Ray, which is one of the biggest like Chekhov's angel child you, you in, get in any show I've ever you seen. You get some more you get some more establishing shots of just the world and you know the the world in decay the the tanks by the ocean etc which is a very iconic shot mm -hmm. and then you get like the ray um shot after shinji's yeah. at the phone booth which the phone booth is like a reoccurring image throughout the rest of the series it's gonna be like it, you know characters on the phone or by the phone and and it's it's a symbol for like communication in general and kind of like establishing connections with people etc so they're always super old school phones with like wires like no one's used a phone like this since like the night night like 92 or something like that no one has a cell phone yeah that's the thing even <laughs> even in 95 it was pretty obvious that uh like landlines were going to be phased out pretty much with cell phones. I mean, there are like nods to cell yeah. phones being used in neon Genesis Misato in this episode uses a, uh, 
a telephone in the car. If you, you know, you remember that that was like a thing where he, yes, of course. they had a uh, portable phones like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe there, are there any cell phones in this, in this, in the rest of the series? I can't actually remember. Um, but uh, uh, land typically they're on the phone in like a control center or something. And they're picking it up and going, Hey, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Landlines were going to be phased out. And that's like kind of like a really basic thing that you could have picked up in a sci-fi setting, but they d- deliberately decided to use the landlines and you know in later entries in the franchise made decades later they still have landlines so it's like obviously intentional obviously important to them uh yeah. instead of it makes everything feel like they're kind of at a disadvantage yeah. it makes everyone everything feel kind of because even the evangelians are kind of they, they don't fly around with like magic wings they're not firing laser beams they, they have like knives and it's it's, it's all very visceral it's all very destructive, yeah, and it's it's kind of primitive almost in a way. Uh, how do you? I mean, like, okay, so returning to the the sort of Ray topic, like, do you think that yeah. it was intentional that we're planting something for you know the end of the series with Ray versus? That's what I was yeah. going to ask. That's why I brought it up. Is how how much do you think he knew when he made that moment? Like, what did he know all the lore? Because if if you read the um the actual scripts of each episode. The lore changed a lot from the first draft of all those. I don't have full insight in this. I haven't read all of them, but if you, I've read some of the later ones. If you look at them, what the lore as they're talking about it in early drafts is very different than what it ended up being in the show. And he obviously changed his mind as he was producing those last yeah, couple episodes. And the crew. I don't yeah. know if he knew the specifics. I don't think he knew the specifics. I think he knew Ray was special. And I think he knew he wanted to do something. Like yeah, there's that. obviously kind of like a I know this is mystical, and we'll see how what ha- what we can do later. Because honestly, a lot of great writing is plants with payoffs where the you you know that you're going to pay it off, you just don't know how yet. <laughs> that happens like a lot mm-hmm. actually, uh, especially in television production because TV production is uh, usually by the seat of your pants. You're creating as you're going. It's. I had a uh, professor describe it to me as like building a railroad in real time. Like the train is going, and like you got to make the track for it, and you're just like rushing to to get the tracks uh, and in place. Yeah. And uh, good writers have the skill to like run with that to like be very loose. Um, there is a series bible that often is. Cre- I'm sure there was that with this as well. Where it's like yeah, you need a good fr- I think you need a good framework yeah. to fall back on when you make a mistake or you're like okay yeah, there, fall back there's like an internal consistency probably like a lore that they set up originally like maybe it changed because of decisions they wanted to do later on but there was absolutely like a plan and then the plan changes that's that's usually how it goes so like you know famously in breaking bad Jesse Pinkman was supposed to die in season 1 but then they were like oh we clearly see that he has great chemistry with the protagonist of that show so we're going to Uh, we're going to keep him alive and that's what they do in tv a lot of the time is that they they make huge decisions that affect the entire story based off of what is working and what isn't working depending on what they have done so as they're as neon genesis was being made ano probably saw like oh i like the mystery elements of it like i don't want it to be explained like completely like that sort of thing where Mm -hmm. you know we want to keep that ethereal atmosphere uh some things maybe in the storyboards or the visual department like inspired that uh perhaps and maybe one of the things is ray over here being kind of just like 
ooh, I'm teleporting. Why am I doing that? This is very mysterious. And then, uh, and then that may be inspired like quantum raid later down the road or like, you know, giga huge yeah. ray. So it's, it's, he must've known cause episode six is called ray two. Yeah. So he must've known there was a ray, at least that there was a ray one at some point. So he knew that aspect of that character at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, is there an episode called like Ray One at all in the show? I I don't think so. I there, every episode has two titles, and I only usually remember the one. <laughs> so <laughs> some of them are long. Like it's weird that this is called Angel Attack when like there's an episode called Those Women Who Long for the Touch of Others and Thus Invited Their Kisses. It's like whoa. <laughs> I think even even this first episode has a secondary title in it. Uh, I'm just trying to remember yeah, yeah, what it is. So um, but uh. What's really cool as but well. Everyone's only in an, a flashback episode, anyway. What's really cool as uh, well is like, I just wanted to talk about this because this is especially the case in the pilot. But objects have history in Ava. Um, so before we're even introduced to Shinji, uh, we see Masato in the car. Like she's driving. She's gonna get to Shinji. She's she's you know rolling down at the speed of sound or whatever. I don't know. Um, and. Uh, Shinji has a photo of Misato and the photo has like these doodles on it. And it's just like, Hey Shinji, check these out. Um, like, d- like what you see, like kissy, kissy goo goo. And then she has like lipstick mark on the photograph. And it's like, she wrote this and why did she write it? It's, it's kind of, it's giving an insult. No, this is important. Uh, it's giving it, no, no, I it's giving an insight. Just, I was going to say trigger warning, pedophilia, but anyway. Go <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is an older woman, uh, who is yeah. making a sexual advances to a 14 year old child. It was 2015. It was a long time ago. It was a different time. I mean, <laughs> back then we used to say nice about this sort of thing, but now, yeah. It, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but the but it's giving an insight into the character how she uses sex as like a way of essentially being able to control someone she wants him to stay there and wait for the rendezvous and she's using her sex appeal as like kind of like a come here you know let me let yeah. me pick you up like do what i tell you to do motherfucker <laughs> so it's a, yeah. it's a it's and i mean she's not a floozy <laughs> either which is good she's smart and she's um she has her own arc, really, as the show goes. Everyone has their yeah. own arc. Everyone. The techie, the Q, the J- the James Bond QS character. Yeah. She has an arc. But she has really, a great arc. She maybe has the best arc in the whole show. <laughs> what's really cool as well is that objects have history. And I think this is something that any creator could learn from. Is like the part where Misato um, is just like, hey, Shinji, do you have that like invite from your dad? And he pulls out this like invitation to Nerve and like, almost everything in it is scribbled out with like this black marker like very deliberately and it's like gendo did that to be like you don't need to know any of this like this is you don't need to know any of this you just need to know that you're invited and then and then and then shinji tore it up and he got mad and he tore it up when he saw it and then taped it back together and like you can see the tape like oh yeah it's objects have history in evangelion and it's like very uh it's very cool how like an entire like character can be expressed and like the the core dynamic between Gendo and Shinji is already being like laid out for you before you're even introduced to that like them in the same mm-hmm. room which I think is you may not have noticed it's it. 
Yeah, but you brained it. <laughs> I yeah, I think it's I think it's just really like the attention to detail is one thing that is just a mainstay in Ava. It's part of why Ava has been as long lasting. Its legacy is so impactful. Is because of of shit like that where you can yeah. rewatch. Are we allowed to swear? <laughs> um i was avoiding it but go ahead <laughs> no i'll i'll try to avoid it uh it's fine um uh it, but yeah it, they swear in the show i'm pretty sure so amanda and lee loves her swear words so she threw as many as she could in end of evangelion which no disrespect <laughs> <laughs> we're not she supposed to, to talk about it yeah okay coming coming back to the pilot so yes um, coming back to the pilot there so after we're pretty much like introduced to misato and she like rides off with shinji uh we get some charming kind of comedy from her perspective as well eva is a pretty dark show at times probably one of the darkest uh for a teenage male audience i've ever seen but there is levity and i think comedy is really integral to creating something that has mass appeal no matter how dark you get it should be there should be like light moments and you know misato thinking about like oh this car's a rental oh my god it's already broken like that sort of stuff and then shinji being like hey girl can you even drive and she's like what do you mean and she just starts swerving like on the road that's that's all really uh like it's it's tonally uh, you need that for for something as like dour as as how the show gets later, um, and uh, especially early on, it's good to do because we can't do it anymore later on. We have to be like locked into that tone. It, it also sets it also sets up that these characters aren't stiffs; that they have a sense of humor. Like like sometimes you'll almost find like even in a comedy, all the characters are straight, but you're just laughing at what they're doing. But in this show. They kind of smile. They kind of laugh at each other. They make observations about it. It gives them more realistic um, relationships, I think, and personality conflicts. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And uh, then you have Gendo yep. in the military and kind of the core conflict that Nerve is going to have throughout a lot of the series. It's like uh, they don't want the military involvement, and so but the military wants to be involved. And uh, why do we need Ava? And that a, a kind staple. of question is, like, really important. Um uh, you know, as much as people crap on Jet Alone, and we'll get to that uh, at some point, uh, Jet Alone is a pretty good episode in terms of just like giving the characters characters that we don't see get to do a lot, doing a lot, and establishing like clenching why developing. Yeah, why is Ava important? You know, and uh, episode one kind of sets that up and a preview into that where it's like the military is here; they're trying to take control with N two mines and uh but it's not working it doesn't work so now we need an alternative and that's conventional methods are useless yeah and that's where we kind of usher in the idea of little kid gotta get in a big robot so (laughs) Mm, exactly um it's (laughs) yeah go on uh it's also it's on the tip of my head i just had it and now it's gone oh well (laughs) uh but the I was gonna say about the the military. It's also oh, it's also just a staple of any monster show in Japan. You always have the ineffective military sitting around. It's in Shin Godzilla. It's in 
any Godzilla movie, really. Just the military sitting around a, a conference table talking about, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's nothing we can do. Yeah. To set up, like, I, yeah. The original, like, you know, 50s Godzilla had stuff like that, for sure. So, um, which is a great movie, by the way. I do like that one. Yes. Um, yes. Are we going to talk about Godzilla now? <laughs> yeah, they, they actually do create, like, a... Uh, a oxygen bomb at the end of that movie to kill Godzilla, which is uh, maybe that's where N2 minds kind of come from. It's that idea. So who knows? <laughs> but who knows? Cause, cause like, I don't remember seeing a lot of bombs necessarily being used in the same way in like, I mean, in Gundam, they had like, you know, explosives, but not like proper nukes, like not nuking a place. Well, as far as I can remember, I'm sure some Gundam fan is just going to be like, go, Jesus, you're wrong. Have you watched? Gundam? I have. I've seen Mobile Suit. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've never seen any Gundam. <laughs> uh, People love to say it's like, oh, they like love to make a lot of comparisons. And it's not like Gundam wasn't sophisticated for its time. Uh, but basically, the main character, uh, he's this little boy whose dad made a giant robot. And the little boy goes in and he's just like, I have PTSD and the horrors of war. And it's like, uh, but, you know, he gets over it. It's sort of weirdly executed in like a lot of ways. And that's that's the extent of it. It's just like war is evil. And oh. it, uh, it kind of uh, it feels almost Miyazaki-esque in some ways with it's like anti-war sentiment that is very just like in your face about it uh ava takes that same concept and basically runs with it in a in a totally psychological way like uh you know how would this affect this person in a grounded setting because like amuro the main character of gundam he's like not in a grounded setting at all it's all military all the time uh there's no like school foundation to any of it there's no like him living as a kid and functioning in the world uh and there's no like relationship between him and his father that is really like the highlight or the emphasis like an abusive father but uh um but amuro definitely has uh like ooh, i i'm very traumatized by killing people like that's his that's basically his big thing so there is like a lean in the direction of the psychology of the character but it doesn't embrace it like ava does where yeah so, right so and, and i mean there's a lot of talk of evangelion being a deconstruction which i don't know if anyone's ever really pinned down what that i mean deconstruction just means you break something down that's all it means yeah and we've kind of taken that term and applied it and said any show that it, it seems to be any show that says but what are what would be the real world consequence of a boy and a robot fighting evil monsters. What would the real world consequences be of a show about police officers or anything like that? It's just when you bring the real world into it, that's what people use as deconstruction. I'm not sure where that connection came from, but that seems to be the case. Yeah, like a deconstruction is basically taking something to a logical conclusion uh, in a lot of ways where it's like, okay, well, you have Looney Tunes, right? And they keep like throwing... Uh, uh, I don't know, safes on top of people. What it, A deconstruction yeah. would be like, oh, well, a safe drops on someone in a cartoon and then they're dead. 
like that sort of thing. Right? Yeah, kind of. It's it's yeah. almost like Itchy and Scratchy is a deconstruction of Looney Tunes. We're gonna get back to Evangelion in a second, but just <laughs> just to establish the terms we're using. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's almost like Itchy and Scratchy is not it's not a, the same thing as a subversion. A subversion is just where you take something like an expectation of how a trope or cliche would go, and you change it in a way that freshens it up or makes it like different. So. Which Ava has both deconstructive elements of the genre of Mecca, as well as subversive elements. So like an example of a subversion would be that the Mecca here are not Mecca at all. They're organic life forms, uh, which is sort of hinted at mm-hmm. in the end it's of the pilot. Well, it's it's hinted at, but it it, yeah. Uh, it's very strongly hinted at. Uh, <laughs> you miss it though. You blink and you miss it. It's And, and that kind of element gives those cliches where it's oh it's a giant robot but it's actually not and it 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 basically adds a level of intrigue and and allows for cosmic horror that would not otherwise be as like authentic so i think uh Mm -hmm. if if you try to do some crazy cosmic horror stuff and the the robots were just robots made out of machines it wouldn't feel nearly as like otherworldly because machines are so man-made like everything about it is just man so we understand it completely and uh part of like lovecraft is like fear of the unknown so organic life Mm -hmm. forms that we grew somehow feels a lot more cthulian and and lovecraftian than it would be if it was just typical mecca um another cool part like evangelion has a lot of so evangelion its core conceit was um was basically it was thought up when the creator hideakiano said i want to make a mecha show uh where the robot goes berserk berserk and it's basically you can't control the robot that was the initial kind of kernel the the seed um that sort of uh you know inspired the show to get made in the first place and they have that being built in to episode one with Ava Unit One coming to life and uh, on its own will protecting Shinji from a rafter that's going to fall on him. Uh, Which they will call back to over and over Yes, over again. the Ava Unit going berserk and taking control is super significant in the rest of the series. And uh, it's good that they introduce it even in the, even in the first half of the two-parter pilot um in episode one so it's good that it's just being planted in uh as early as possible essentially there's a lot of seeds here yeah uh and ray ray's injuries we find out later why she's injured why that was important and you kind of forget about it. you forget that ray was injured the first time you saw her it just because it's it's such an incidental essential plot point we just need ray out of the way she's a senior pilot but she's just not able to do it this time so shinji has to do it and you kind of forget about it, but it's important. And that's important. Shinji, you yeah. must do it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Our old animations, our old Evangelion animations, where I played Masato. Is that what you're doing? Well, uh, well it. Uh, <laughs> I was. We'll reveal more information about those. I later. wasn't aiming for that exactly, but I guess it. <laughs> it was very similar. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> I think subtextually that's probably where it came from. Those got uh, dubbed, Michael. Spanish people dubbed those <laughs> cartoons. Okay, there was a Russian dub too, by the way. I've seen that one. There was. Yeah. I never knew that. Yep. <laughs> oh my god, they got fan dubbed. I've been dubbed into Russian. Yeah, you have. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, <laughs> we've been contributing to the Ava fandom for many years now. And, uh, <laughs> many years now. Yes. Ten, since I met you, the first thing we did was watch this whole show in three nights. So, <laughs> Was it the first the thing? Pretty much. I think we met, we talked a bit, and then like the second or third time we really talked, you're like, hey, have you heard of Evangelion? I'm like, I've never seen it. And you're like, what? And then you showed me the whole thing two nights. <laughs> and then we watched the movie a third night. You know, to this day, um, with the exception of maybe the first half of the recap episode and Magma Diver, I would say that this is still probably one of the most perfect shows I've ever seen. Because like, no episode is unimportant Consistent, or bad. Sure. Yeah, it's really... I mean, people are reaching when they say Jet Alone is bad because that's. I just rewatched the series and it's still good. Magma <laughs> Diver is the only one that yeah. I don't really enjoy, and that's like. But it still has important things in it. You, unfor- it yeah, has important you things can't in it for skip sure. it. It's just, it's just kind of trashy. <laughs> really, is the only flaw of it is just a trashy episode. Pretty much. I, it's it's a it's a comedy episode, really, is what it is. But it's we'll, very crude. We'll probably it's cover very that crude. Yeah, we'll discuss yeah. it later. But crude. it's it's a uh, yeah. it's a show that can easily be watched and recommended. I feel like a lot of people who dislike it, they it's less about what it is doing that's wrong, and more about how like your personal preference for what you enjoy in a series or not, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good sign when you're when you can point to things and it's like. All the characters are consistent, and the the tone is really good. And there's they all have arcs. Yeah, every everybody has arcs. They're, the they're all thing. related arcs too, because they're all variations of the uh, internal versus external yeah. like kind of uh, arc, where it's like mm-hmm. characters what they want is praise and validation from others, and what they need is mm-hmm. to love themselves and self-love and internal validation. And that's their true path to happiness, but it's so much more, t- in, you know, enticing to get the praise and the validation from others. Like, um, you know, Shinji seeks that through his father and being an Ava pilot in general. Asuka seeks that through yeah. uh, sexualizing herself, uh, which I guess we'll discuss later. Um, basically, Oscar's in the show. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Ray does it through Gendo as well. Like her validation is to be like, I'm useful. I am a tool to this person. Um, and Misato's mm-hmm. is through uh, probably Kaji, her relationship with him, and the validation of her father, like who yeah. is essentially yeah. gone. Like her father is gone. She has. Uh, father issues that are unresolved and is seeking to resolve them through another character mm-hmm. uh so it's all variations of and it's apparent yeah. immediately it's in this episode it's, it's in the pilot yeah <laughs> yeah it's immediate it, even for even misato anyway. says like he's just like me because i have daddy issues too she's she's already building in <laughs> with those foundations it's like there's yeah. a very um Famili- it, it's about family and that's what makes it so <laughs> that's what makes it so family that's what makes it so powerful the right the families we create that's not what evangelion's about it's about family it's about relationships it, it's not really about yeah family. yeah it's specifically about relationships it's about man, men and women and kind of their mm-hmm. men and women and what is a man and what is a woman i think that is a big element of yes it. it's never said they don't vocalize it but it's very much about Shinji's need for manhood 
is definitely a recurring theme throughout the show, and it's very apparent in this pilot. What do you? That he has to get. What do you know about men and women anyway? You're gay or whatever. Well, let me tell you something. What, what, uh, <laughs> what? Is that a, is that a commentator? Yeah. Are yeah. you? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm. You know, two two gays, one episode. I can see. You I know, can see yeah. us being poor choice to be a commentary on the relationships between men and women. But I will say, I will say. Just because I, mean, I know women, I've talked. Yeah, to women I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up. I'm just like, just because we gay doesn't mean we don't have uh, some ladies in our life, you know. So, and they like to spill the tea, honey. Anyway, <laughs> it, I know more about women than you do, Mister Heterosexual. No, just <laughs> Mister Hypothetical Hyper- Heterosexual Commentator you- who's hazing us in our own brains. How dare you? Exactly. How dare you leave such a comment? Exactly. exactly um and so i but i really appreciate that it takes those kind of that binary and it does sort of inject like uh queer elements into it and questioning elements Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff into you know this oh am i actually attracted to women oh am i actually a male like that seems to be uh, at least subtextually, like yeah. uh, a lot of what's going on behind the scenes with with uh, someone like Shinji. There is a, so it's a lot about identity. Yeah, it's a lot about questioning identity and trying to figure out who you are. Um, a lot of confusion in your teenage years, and it's captured really authentically, you know. Um, and it has a legacy in mm-hmm. later on with other Studio Gainax series as well, like Fully Cooly and such. Yeah. So. Um, foodie cootie yeah. uh i was gonna say okay so that's pretty much the whole plot of the episode we just covered yeah i think i think more or less i think that's thing. that's episode one if, unless you want to talk about some stuff that happens in episode two here or save that for uh well, well i thought we could go a little deeper on some of the stuff um I do have a list of questions just to keep us on top. Okay. Uh, so do you think this is, I think we've kind of answered this question. Do you think this is a good pilot? Um. Uh, okay. So I feel like it is a good pilot. If, if you watch like episodes one and two together, if you just saw episode one alone, I don't think that's enough. Like it has to have that part one and part two kind of connecting thing. Cause like mm-hmm. um, part of what is really excellent about Ava as well is that it it balances deep character drama with exciting action and it's one of those series that doesn't compromise it has both uh a like a rich cast of characters and really excellent choreography and spectacle uh and episode one gives less spectacle than than two and so it's important to kind of watch them back to back because then you get the excellent action and animation and the promise for more of that later. Yeah. So it it completes it completes it if you watch them both. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh both halves. It, I think I, if you I agree, I think. if you just saw episode 1 and and you're, you know, you didn't have uh a friend going like, you know, you need to watch two. I could see someone, you know, kind of maybe being like, "Oh, that was interesting" and then dropping it or something. So, but <laughs> yeah. After you see two, I think you're hooked. Um which is nice. I I think the as a as far as hooking the viewer, I think the pilot is really good because it is so breakneck. 
and you just move from plot element to plot element to plot element and every element is interesting and every element is uh i think fresh and still feels fresh honestly i think a lot of stuff has tried to mimic evangelion and hasn't really succeeded at at being as being at novel as evangelion i also have to praise it for doing it it doesn't have a whole lot of exposition it could have gone really overboard with introducing a lot of the elements in the show in a dialogue driven way, but it doesn't do mm-hmm. that. It's a lot of visual exposition. Like, Oh, the city's underwater. Objects have history. Oh, like you said. yeah. It's like the, the, Oh, the city's underwater. Oh, like we don't get to just hear about nerve. We get to see it. We get to see this underground city. Uh, like, you mm-hmm. know, Oh, like the Ava unit itself and how it, it, it can come to life and it kind of like can go berserk. That's just all demonstrated. It's all like everything in the show is, you know, it, it doesn't hold your hand about its larger world. No. It just kind of shows it. It's just here. And or I even think basic staging stuff like, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mikey. No, go on. I was going to say even basic staging stuff like Gendo up in his like, carrier room and he's just looking down on shinji that tells you about their relationship in a A visual hierarchy and then you have masato and yeah and then you have masato and ritsuko standing off the side near shinji to show you they're his allies gendo is his adversary and those are his allies. yeah i'd say gendo is also probably the closest thing to a main antagonist that the series really has for for shinji because Mm -hmm. you know shinji wants his validation and gendo is not giving it to him and so while you know, Gendo's mm-hmm. motivations are uh, sort of dark and sinister. Um, at the same time, he's not a—he's not like a traditional villain in the sense of like he wants to to overtly hurt or cause harm to Shinji. They're on the same team ultimately. Mm-hmm. They're they're allies, whether mm-hmm. they like it or not, sort of deal. But it's—he's uh, still not giving him love and affection, which is what Shinji really wants from the situation yeah and the more you find out about them the more you find out they really do want to be close together yeah but they can't be um the what's another stuff uh so what about the oh we want to talk about the character designs of course the character designs are i think really impressive because the shinji design he's just dressed up like a 14 year old salary man <laughs> japanese salary man really he's wearing yeah, like a like white shirt and blue that's pants. a typical school uniform over there it's like a very you know, well not mm-hmm. really actually uh the typical school uniform is like that black pinup kind of shirt if you if, like it's almost like a jacket sort of deal if yeah, you can yeah, imagine yeah, with it the, the, with the line the white lining yeah. yeah, like actually the white t-shirt and pants is more of a private school United States kind of or like a Catholic school sort of thing. Maybe that's there uh, was an Armageddon. They don't have a lot of cloth and material. They had to cut corners. Okay? Yeah, well, you know, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> no fancy black jackets <laughs> to you. They're all going to the nerve employees. Uh, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> they wear khaki. <laughs> um. But yeah, Shinji is an everyman. He's designed to basically be the uh, uh, the self-insert for the target audience of the show um, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that he is a self-insert. He has his own, you know, character, history, drama, background, but he's made to look average and like an average Japanese boy specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that they did a really good job kind of capturing 
capturing that plainness but in a still iconic kind of way and that's like thanks to you know yoshiyuki satamoto's character designs he has a very distinctive kind of style i feel with like a lot of his character designs i can always pick out when i see him um i recently watched wolf children from mamaru soda and i was like oh that's satamoto's character designs and sure enough it it is so it's kind of <laughs> it's it's always you can always sort of tell when it's him um, he really likes unique women, especially like designing really, really unique and out there kind of women characters. If you've ever seen like Nadia's Secret of Blue Water, which was Ano's previous collaboration with Yoshiki Satamoto, uh, you know, Nadia herself is a very unusual looking uh, protagonist, you know, female protagonist for an anime. She's like brown skin, uh, like really, really kind of like short, clean cut hair. The outfit is very... Um, like sort of uh like alien looking it's it's very it's very interesting um and i think that reflects as well with ray uh and her character design when when showed here it's like the white-haired red eye would become a uh sort of iconic look and very mimicked in anime to come after this but at the time it was like who is that nothing's like that has really been seen before you know uh in a bino bunny an albino kind of character yeah um and uh i think masato is iconic ritsuko is iconic you know ritsuko was designed to be made to to be the hot one uh <laughs> did you oh, she, yeah she's so plain did you know did she's you know got that? she's got stilettos on and she's got the uh the tights i didn't know yeah that. she was designed to be like the, the marilyn monroe kind of like <laughs> is that she does yeah yeah it was sort of it was oh, so, yeah, she was she was designed as the character that would have the highest sex appeal, and then, and then it was like everyone went, "Oh, Misato, she's she's true milf." <laughs> no, we like teenage girls. Anyway. And yeah, and the teenage girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, there are problematic aspects to uh, Evangelion's reception, uh, uh, not necessarily completely discouraged by the show itself, unfortunately no uh, <laughs> no not really but uh we'll get into that at another time for sure um yeah well, more appropriate episode there's a lot of episodes where we can talk about the take on women or how it portrays women which i think is overall positive but we will get to that yes um and largely due to akio satsukawa <laughs> but akio satsukawa didn't write this episode i love akio satsukawa but he didn't write this episode do you know this episode who- was written by ano Okay, so Ano specifically Sorry? was the uh, the sole writer on this one. He was the sole writer on this one. He actually has a writing credit on every episode except one. And the way I think it worked was the writer would do a first draft, and then Ano would take it and fiddle with it a little bit, and he would write his own draft based on their draft. And that's why he has a writing credit on every episode. I, that's what I'm, I'm starting to I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly right, but that's also exactly what showrunners do in Western television. Um, so... In Western television, they have, uh, you know, a writing staff of people, um, and they all discuss the show in a writer's room. And they go, okay, this is what's going to happen this season. This is the structure of, of the season. Here's the structure of all the episodes. Like, here's what will happen in each one. And they all discuss it collaboratively. And then mm-hmm. uh, the showrunner assigns, like, a writer per episode. So it's like, okay, you're going to write this one. You're going to write this one. You're going to write this one. And they write it. And bring it back to the showrunner, and the showrunner goes like, well, I have an idea of how all the characters are supposed to be. I'm the one who created the series, so I'm going to just tighten it up and really like bring it together under my mm-hmm. under my vision. So what they do is they change things to be like, 
hmm, would this character say this in this way or would they say it in this way uh they don't change like so super a lot a lot like a, a lot about it but they do no. change things to just like bring it together under one kind of roof ascent make it make it sort of resonate with a single voice even though it kind of um is done by many yeah and ano probably did that with his writing stuff i'm guessing he's i think he did a little more he's yeah. he's very um uh he very much like admires the way western film and and tv does i remember reading like an interview with him which talked about like how uh he wished that not not necessarily western but live action like he wished that uh anime would operate more in the same way that live action tv would uh so i think that he probably took a lot of influence from the way that television is you know constructed in japan over there in the live action scene and applied some of those principles to like animation production uh visually it's one of the few anime that has that has a beginning middle and end for each episode like every episode has an end Mm -hmm. there's it's very rare there'll be loose ends but it's it's very rare to have an episode just end on a a cliffhanger and then the next episode can even this one even this two-part premiere this is a finished story and the second episode is a finished story, even though they're intertwined. Yeah, that's kind of unusual in like uh, in a lot of respects, um, especially for shonen as like a genre. Uh, they'll often have like mm-hmm. entire fight sequences last multiple episodes. Uh, so this is very counter to what the genre typically produces in this era, especially. It's like you had a uh, um, shonen like Yu Yu Hakusho or Dragon Ball, which would have like a character go mm-hmm. like is goku going to survive find out in the next episode you know like that that never really yeah, happens literally. in Ava. <laughs> so no it doesn't there's never like like those episodes are almost like an hour and a half of a story and they've just gone for a half hour written and animated it and then gone oh we ran out of time and then they stop and then they just pick up from where they left off in the next episode there are a few examples i can think of um which might do that where it's like episode uh 17 and 18 um you know that's like with the toji stuff later but that has like you that's know, cliffhanger. the only one i can think of but yeah, yeah like 17 18 19 are kind of cliffhangery but well not 19 things are resolved pretty 19 much is that. pretty self-contained yeah yeah, yeah. it's a uh but there, it, there's a, like i said it, leave, it leaves threads open but it doesn't it does it's a finished story the the, the threat of zero well and the conflict of is shinji gonna get back in the robot is resolved by the end of the episode. yeah i mean there's also there are hooks like don't get me wrong that's like vital for television in general so mm-hmm. in the case of like uh in episode two if you remember shinji sees that eye you know mm-hmm. any any kind of lets out that you piercing scream after seeing it and then misato's in the doorway and she's just like you did a good job closes the door on him uh <laughs> and uh that a lot of quiet night scenes with Masato walking to Shinji's room and whispering things at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of the cliffhanger. It's just like, ooh, what is this? Like, what, you know, what is the Ava? You know, that's like a big question that the series asks you early on and it, it definitely gets you to keep watching in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, in episode three, there's also the hook with uh, Toji on the phone and he's like, I'm gonna call uh, Shinji, but then I'm not going to. And that's sort of a uh, like, ooh, yeah. like character drama sort of ooh, stuff. This you know? bully character has internal conflict. He's a little deeper than he seems. Yeah. 
it's it's still very much like self-contained as you're as you're saying unusually unusually mm-hmm. so even for live action uh tv in general it's a little more like filmic in that way yeah which i appreciate it's mm-hmm. a, it's a very unique kind of flavor to end episodes on um in a you know in my television writing classes they were always like you gotta end on one of four things my dude you gotta end on peril the character is like in danger or they're gonna die or like a promise of something to come or like a plot twist uh and and so there would be like these formulas that they would kind of throw at you in television writing class seems like common sense to me but okay you you paid a couple of hundred thousand dollars for that uh well, paid a couple hundred thousand dollars for a lot of things, but uh, th- that was like <laughs> one thing was just the drilling of the the television formulas. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, and you get yeah. to see that a lot. Like in a Netflix show, there's this Netflix show called Ozark, and like every episode ends on like one of those four things. Uh, Westworld is the same deal. A lot of Western television loves to do that whole like formula of. Uh, we've got to end on some really heavy conflict and uh and yeah. ava just sidesteps that pretty pretty hard actually has really sorry has really distinctive endings to episodes it has in my head like you can tell what an evangelion ending is to an episode with the it's almost like a adult swim cut because it's that that silent that completely silent cut to black dun 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 and then it cuts to the fly to the moon it's like so it's it's like I almost think going to watching a television show could be like going to the symphony, right? Where you're listening to the music as much yeah. as you're following the story and the characters. And um, uh, so, what are your thoughts on like uh, Shusaki Su and the the music he composed for this episode? Oh, oh, I mean, I love Shusaki Su's uh, kind of sound. It's it's very unique, um, and uh, he goes for a lot. Yeah, a lot of like orchestration. I'm not a music guy. But I've always really, really loved uh, his tone. And he goes for something like very bombastic, almost like kitsch in some ways. And like when Shinji gets into the Ava unit and it's just like going to take off and it's got this like, you know, maybe some wind chimes or harp or whatever. uh, The bombastic Mm -hmm. sort of tone, it almost misleads you into thinking that it's going to be like a typical kind of um thing but he sounds like thundercats to me yeah yeah it's 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 like this is gonna be your typical kind of action show don't don't you know um and uh it's a it it turns out to be anything but um uh and i think there's hints of that as well musically too uh shinji's theme which is like only in the pilot ever (laughs) uh plays uh here when he's talking to gendo and it's that like you know like maybe yeah yeah Um, yeah. all their themes are and uh uh oh that thing i love that theme too that's a great one uh like but like masato's is like a western like oh no that's oscar sorry oscar's is like this western hers is like yeah which is also so atypical though like that was atypical too oh my god um people are gonna just be like i'm so tone deaf i can't believe uh no you're not that but uh 
anyway it a uh it's it's a very interesting score um it's it's got a lot of diversity to it it has a lot of epicness to it 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 sometimes goes into that cheese ham territory but in, intentionally so it's there's yeah it's it's amazing i think it's like one of those iconic things that if it had a lesser soundtrack it might stick less like the scenes uh yes. but it it knows mm-hmm. when to not use the score too which is a rare skill um mm-hmm. like you could have you could have had I, I think that's what i was kind of talking about before, yeah with the, the silence at the end of episode there's very rare that you end an episode with music mm-hmm. and uh i think that music is is it should be used in the appropriate times um and sometimes silence is better uh i remember the scene later on with uh asuka and shinji and shinji's gonna move in to kiss her or whatever and it's just got that like mm-hmm. rewinding sound from the cassette tape uh and that's like all that you hear and then it goes like uh, it makes this beep sound effect and then total silence like after that um which is just really nice like yeah. if they had used music there instead it probably would have created a completely wrong kind of atmosphere to that so they do mm-hmm. a good job because i'm not familiar with it because i'm not familiar with it i thought the it's the the crossing sound for the train the ding 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 i wasn't familiar with that that's that's just what a japanese train sounds yeah. like i thought that was part of the soundtrack for the longest time but it's, it's not. not it's a sound but effect, that's just yeah. how haunting the like sounds of life can be and i think that's a lot of what evangelion is about just be really pretentious about it i think that's what evangelion is about is about the like horror of living a regular life like just how scary things are yeah there's the cicadas in like episode four and yeah, the cicadas too. Just yeah, because uh, a lot of the show is not about facing angels. It's about facing like, oh, I gotta kiss Oscar. <laughs> oh, she, but oh, she doesn't want me to kiss her. Like, oh, I'm confused. Like, that's that's as much horror for Shinji, maybe more so than fighting a monster yeah. is. Um. Okay. Any other points you want to talk about? I think that's it. I think this has been a really good party. I've had a really good time talking about the show that I've seen a couple hundred times and that we've talked about for hours and hours and hours at nauseum. So yeah, yeah, I'm really happy with this as our pilot. So heck yeah, yeah. Uh, heck yeah, and, and we'll probably cover other shows. I don't know if we'll do. I'm thinking maybe we'll do certain episodes of Evangelion. We might not go through every single one. We might focus more on ones we really like because otherwise it's going to take us like a whole year. But, uh, you know, we like lots of other shows, Text Lies, uh, nothing before 2011, but. <laughs> uh, but um, I after, mean, sorry, after 2011. Yeah, I was going to say, gonna say uh, like, you know, some of my favorite anime are like Berserk 1998, which would be a good one to oh, yeah, cover. Berserk. Love Berserk. That'd be a good one. To um, Monster. Monster is cool. Welcome to the NHK. Um, Ping Pong is good. So there's a lot of options. You can. Hey, that one's after 2011, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, yep, you're right. You better watch you're it. You're right. <laughs> Tommy Galaxy is a good, like, pop this in instead. That's from just 2010. Oh, I love Tommy Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. We have a cutoff. Probably like we, we have a cutoff next, next one we should talk about, I feel, in Ava, it should either be Asuka Strikes or Ramiel. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, Ray 1. Ray 1 and 2. Oh, Ray yeah. That's that's a good one as well. That's the Romeo episode. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the Romeo I was episode. thinking, wait, is Ray... I thought Ray 2... Wait, now I have to look. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ray 1 and 2 is the Romeo 2 part. I thought Ray Beyond the Heart was 
a was episode five, the one where Shinji goes to Ray's apartment. We know lots about this show, guys. We're authorities, okay? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, episode, yeah. Episode, episode five is Ray one, and then episode six is Ray two. Episode six is Ray yeah. two, and then episode seven is Oscar Strikes. No, o- no, also, episode no, seven is, is Jet Alone, and then Oscar Strikes is eight. Yeah. Uh, right, right, right. Because they, they always do everything in triptychs. It's always Ray, Masato, Asuka, Asuka, Masato, Ray. It's always done in triptychs. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> cut that out. Cut that out. It can't make anyone seem like we're unprofessional. Okay. <laughs> no. Cut everything. <laughs> cut the whole podcast. We're, we're too unprofessional in it. <laughs> but uh, I hope you had a great time listening to our podcast, our pilot. Probably a little rough. We're just going to, we can only get better at it. So. <laughs> no, I think it was good. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. yeah, I liked it too. So, thanks for listening. Have yourself a great yep. day. Go Jesus out. Hey, thanks for listening to episode one of the Two Gays One Episode podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to continue to support our content, please check us out at www.patreon.com slash grandrose. That's www.patreon.com slash grandrose. G-R-A-N-D-R-O-S-E, but all one word. And stay tuned for our next episode, premiering on March 29th at 6 p.m. Two Gays, One Episode is a product of Grand Rose Productions and is hosted by Alex Marcy and Michael Deaver. Produced by Alex Marcy.